0: Good morning. Welcome to Laurel Heights. We invite you to open your Bible now to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. We hope you can make your plans to be back with us at 5 p.m. and then Wednesday night at seven thirty. While you're turning to John chapter 13, let me take a moment or two and bring something up that we do not talk a lot about here, but I think we need to bring it up from time to time, and that concerns our website, lhmacallan.org While you're turning to John 13, let me say something about that website. I looked at our statistics the other day, and we've had a 37% increase of traffic at our website during the month of October. We never know exactly why that occurs, but we're always pleased that it happens. And 20% of those in October were new visitors. I looked further into the statistics offered by the server. Most of our traffic is on Monday with people listening to sermons that were recorded from Sunday. And there is no surprise that most of the people who visit our website are from Texas. In fact, 62% of the people who visit the website are from here in Texas. Now, this is curious. Bill and I were talking about this earlier in the week and we do not have an explanation, but after Texas, the next state that visits our website with the highest frequency is New Jersey. We're preaching the gospel in New Jersey. So our website is one way that we attempt to spread the gospel of Christ and inform people here in Texas of our work and anywhere else in the world that might access our website. We now say hello to the people in New Jersey. Welcome to our website. And you can help with this by telling people that you communicate with about our presence on the internet. You can do that with an email or a Phone call or hand someone the brochure at the back, o-r-g All this year, on the first Sunday of each month, we are addressing from Scripture a theme Who will follow Jesus? Next month, the concluding sermon will be Who will follow Jesus to heaven? Now, today, I want, to about, I want to speak about serving like Jesus. Who will follow Jesus to serve? And this part of our study needs to begin in John chapter 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments... And taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. Truly, truly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. receives me, and whoever receives me, receives the one who sent me. Well, here's where I need to begin in our study of this. Not everything described in the Bible is intended for literal duplication forever. The Bible describes many things, and the idea is not that we are to literally duplicate every single thing we read. The idea is we discover what's being illustrated. And we become engaged at that level with focus on principles from God about our relationship to Him and to others. And so, for example, Noah built an ark. We don't need to build an ark. But we must become engaged in the principle of obedience to God that the story illustrates. Paul and the other early preachers rode on donkeys and horses and chariots and ships to take the gospel to the lost. The idea is not that we must use those methods of travel only. The idea is that we take The gospel to the lost with whatever conveyances we have. The methods of travel are secondary to the message. We, for example, use the internet as a conveyance of the gospel. So, in the case of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, the idea is not that we take that exact routine and make that a ritual. The idea is for us to read this and discover what's being illustrated and then become involved at that level. Some have said, find the principle and let that principle teach you and prompt you to the appropriate attitudes and behaviors. I believe that's the right approach. We've read what Jesus did and said to impulsively conclude that I've got to take up exactly that form of service and no other misses the point and makes this a ritual. Find the principle and let the principle teach you and prompt you to any appropriate attitudes and behaviors that are embedded in the instruction. Now what confirms the approach I'm recommending is There is no evidence after John 13 that the disciples turned this into a ritual. In fact, foot washing is not ever mentioned again in the New Testament. This tells me Jesus was not setting up a ritual to be perpetuated and enforced by his apostles in terms of only one form of service. We are correct in finding the principle that's being illustrated and becoming engaged in the attitudes and behaviors that correctly express that principle. So I'm ready to say to you now that the principle here is service based on love. Verse 1 says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So whatever comes after verse 1 all the way over to verse 20 is about the principle of service based on love. Reading this and giving good thought to this can enable us today to love and serve as Jesus loved and served. Now let's work on that principle for a few moments. Washing feet was slave work. We should remember that the world Jesus lived in had very definite social structure. It was a culture that was very tightly ordered. There were certain things men didn't ever do. There were certain things women did and things women didn't ever do. There were servants and masters... There were skilled people and unskilled people. There were people of royal family and there were others who were common. There was the rich and the poor, the Jew and the Gentile. There was structure and rank and order and cultural prejudices and lines that you didn't ever cross. Washing someone's feet was only considered to be acceptable and proper by the lowest of slaves washing the feet of someone of higher position. A child might wash a parent's feet. A wife could wash the feet of her husband. A gentile slave could wash the feet of a Jewish traveler. You could wash the feet of a dying friend as a sign of affection, but that was all structured in that culture. These were well-known cultural rules that you didn't break Uh, there, There was a protocol and a class structure and rigid practices that were held in common. Jesus stepped outside those common protocols, rose from the meal, wrapped a towel around his body, and did slave work for his disciples. What's the principle? It's love expressed in humble service. Love that came out of his heart through humble service to his servants, his disciples. He became their servant and he's teaching them to never shun service to others based on love. Is there ever something, some job or task or need and you say to yourself, I don't do that kind of work. You ever had that thought? Maybe you've not said it that way. I'm not talking about something you cannot do because you're ill-equipped. I'm talking about something you are capable of doing. You could do it, but you will not do it. It is beneath your perception of your high position of dignity. Somebody else can do that. Jesus illustrates the humility that he has that each one of us ought to have. Being willing to do whatever needs to be done and if necessary, crossing over the common cultural expectations, rolling up your sleeves, maybe getting dirty and doing what needs to be done for others. We must guard against any self-importance self-exaltation or arrogance that would separate us from good work that needs to be done for others. The principle emerges in what Jesus did for those disciples. Jesus did this without being asked. I cannot imagine that they would ask Jesus to do such a thing. In fact, I believe these men were shocked and they would never have asked him to do this. Simon Peter was shocked. It was a breach of hospitality and it was against social structure. But Jesus did this to show his love for these men in this humble way without being asked to do it. I like that attitude that says, I'll do anything you ask me to do. Just tell me what to do and I'll do my best. I admire that attitude. But beyond that, I really admire the attitude that doesn't say anything but just does what needs to be done. Don't have to have an invitation, you don't have to be solicited. You don't have to be promised anything. You see what needs to be done. You don't wait for someone to give you the assignment. You don't complain that the job is not being done. You see what needs to be done, and you do it to the best of your ability. And I will tell you this. I've been here at Laurel Heights almost 28 years, and there have always been people like this here. They see what needs to be done, They do not make a big deal about it. They just take up the task. And they do their best. And it doesn't matter if nobody ever knows about it. If you have to beg people to do things, if you have to promise publicity, it demeans the whole concept of service and discipleship. Jesus illustrates the value of doing what needs to be done without being asked or pressured to do it. Jesus served with no expectation of reward. I'm going to take you in a moment to Luke 6:35. Give you a few minutes to get there and give the people in New Jersey time to open their Bibles to Luke 6:35. In our culture, We are way into rewards and prizes and pay and benefits and praise and publicity. It's everywhere. And so the question comes up all the time, what am I going to get out of this? Before I sign on to the task, what am I going to get out of this? People uh, sometimes will not be embarrassed to say, am I going to do this for nothing? Or quietly we may think this way, though we may not verbalize our interest, our self-interest. We may engage in some sacrifice or service, quietly thinking people are really going to think I'm great if I do this. Oh, look at me. Jesus entertained no such motives or thoughts in that direction at all having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. That's what it was all about. Love takes us to places of service. Pride would never take us. Love takes us to places of service. Pride would never take us. The way of the authentic disciple of Christ is the way of quiet, Humble service to the Lord and to others without expectation of reward. And we know that because of Luke 6.35. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. Now come on now. If you had a birthday party and you gave a gift to someone, you attended the party and gave a gift and then it came your birthday and what was on your mind? What are they going to give me? I spent $20. What are they going to spend? Listen to this. Love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. That's our standard of generosity. No expectation of reward. The principle in John 13 is love that produces service with no expectation of reward. Jesus served those who did not deserve to be served. <clears throat> Think about what people often do about serving and helping. One of the first things we sometimes process is, are they qualified to receive my help? Does this person I'm going to help really deserve to be helped? Now, I want to be very clear. I understand that that question is valid my concern is that we sometimes take it so far with such inflexibility we wind up helping nobody ever because we have framed in our mind this rigid standard if you want my help you gotta be this and gotta be that all these things and I understand that we have qualifications and circumstances we're going to take into account. That's good stewardship. But sometimes we are tempted to take it so far with such inflexibility we may wind up helping nobody because they don't meet my standards. The people we could help we don't help because they're not good enough as measured by our standards. And if we're not careful, we can form such a rigid, exaggerated mindset. We isolate ourselves from people who need what we have. We wind up not doing what Jesus wants us to do because we have rewritten the rules. We've written up in our minds such a tight set of rules. We've concluded that nobody deserves help. Well, let's think about that. Jesus washed the feet of Simon Peter. Before the night would end, those feet would stand at a Roman fire as Peter denied Jesus three times. And Jesus had warned him about that. And then think about Judas. He washed the feet of Judas Iscariot. His feet had already carried him to the Jewish leaders before this, where he bargained away the life of Jesus for a few pieces of silver. And before this night would end, those same feet would carry him back to the Jews, where he would completely abandon Jesus to his enemies. Jesus washed the feet of the other men, And before the night, they would all run away in fear. And some go fishing. Jesus knew all this. But he served them anyway. He died for them. Have you ever considered that some of the people we may not try to teach and may not try to help If we would approach them and do our best with them, it might be the turnaround in their life. God can use us to accomplish good things through our service to others. It may be sacrifice that takes time. It may be very difficult when you get down into the trenches of serving. It may require some money. It may require some time. It may require other resources that we cherish. It may be we need to connect people with skills that we do not have. And just in finding the person in need and finding the person with the skill to help them, we've served. We need to develop through faith in Christ and I... For all of this, serving others as Jesus illustrated. Who will follow Jesus? Who will serve like Jesus served? We are never more like Jesus than when we're obeying God and serving others. We are never more like Jesus than when we're obeying God and serving others. Those things are connected. Woe unto us if we ever separate them. Loving God and obeying Him leads to loving others and serving them. In Luke 6:40, the disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. I hope we're all on the way to being more like our master if not we need to pray to god and ask him to forgive us and help us and and make that prayer something you become engaged in regularly and then turn the aim of that prayer into action search for ways in your obedience to god you can serve and help and sacrifice and reach others and help christians all of that to the glory of god true service comes from a heart that loves God and is an outgrowth of the humility that we learn about when we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Being a true servant will make a huge difference in your life. Who will follow Jesus? Let's be standing while we sing.